from lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota and SixFootMama.com. This is Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling. Still Growing is a gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Still Growing, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jennifer Ebling. It's so great to be here with you today. We have just recovered from what we hope is our last snowstorm. I think we got about 10 inches here in Maple Grove, and the kids and I attempted to get out of the driveway this morning after my husband had left and discovered that the snow was so wet and heavy that it just clogged the snowblower. So we sat it out for a while, and at about three o'clock, the sun had done most of the work for us, and we just scooped the rest of it away and went on with our day. The forecast for this week is calling for a high on Wednesday of about 70 degrees, which we haven't had a 70 degree day since the early part of October. And I, you know, that's going to take the sting out of going back to school after this week of spring break for the kids, that's for sure. So we'll have to plan something for them when they get out of school that day because they'll be definitely wanting to enjoy being outside after a full day of school. Well, I have a fantastic show for you today. We are back with Julia Coffey, and we are having her walk us through the Seeds Trust catalog. And if you've ever been sitting alone with a seed catalog and wishing that you had someone there with you to walk you through it, to draw things to your attention, to add some perspective, that's what this show is going to do for you today. But before we get to all of that, I just want to draw your attention to a few housekeeping items. First and foremost, if you're local, if you live in the Twin Cities, the Friends School Plant Sale Flyer is out, their little newspaper. And this is the 25th anniversary of the Friends School Plant Sale. It's always on Mother's Day weekend, and it's at the Minnesota State Fair Grandstand. So if you've never attended this particular plant sale before, it's such an experience. It really is a gift that you can give to yourself as a mom, and it's especially enjoyable because I usually go with a very dear friend. So that's coming up, and it will be here before we know it. In terms of resources for the show, I wanted to let you know that I've added two buttons to my website. One is for the Still Growing Podcast Library, and if you click that button, you'll see a complete listing of all the shows that have been done to date. The other button lists the top five podcast episodes based on downloads, and that will get updated at the beginning of every month. So if you're curious about the most listened to episodes, you'll be able to find them there. Don't forget, you can review all of the information that we cover on this show today in the show notes, which are located on the website at sixfootmama.com. That's the number six, F-T-M-A-M-A.com. And you'll find the Still Growing Podcast in the top menu. If you like the show and you're listening on your phone or your iPad, I'd encourage you to check out Stitcher, the Stitcher app. That's the app I use to listen to all of the podcasts I enjoy. And if you like the show, there's a number of ways you can support Still Growing. First and foremost, you can leave a review for the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And you can also become a fan of the show at facebook.com backslash Still Growing with Six Foot Mama. I was just about going to introduce this episode, and I don't know if you can hear this, but I've got Sonny in the studio with me, and he's sleeping on the floor, and he's obviously having a dream. I don't know if you can hear him. Yeah, he's barking in his sleep. So let me wake him up a second, and then I'll introduce the show. Sonny. Hey. Hey, buddy. There we go. We knocked him out of it. So... Listen, I had the idea uh, when I was having my seed party earlier this spring, late winter actually, with some girlfriends where we were going through seed catalogs and trying to pick the, the seeds that we wanted to purchase together as a group that it sure would be nice to have experts from each of these seed companies available so that they could give us a personal guided tour 
through their seed catalog and the whole time featuring their favorites and their recommendations. That's how the idea for this show came about. So in last week's show, we had kind of a primer on seeds, thanks to Julia. She walked us through basically Seed School 101, kind of an introduction to the power of seeds. And I know for myself, it was such a good reminder of how truly amazing and resilient these little guys are. And the quote that I loved from Julia the most was when she said that they are time capsules with a future. That image has really stuck with me all week as I've been getting ready for this particular episode. Anyway, I found it insightful and personally useful to get this time with Julia. And if you're a Seeds Trust customer or you're thinking about becoming one, today's episode will really help you to become a more informed customer and seed shopper. So with that said, let's listen to the show. Okay, so we've had our primer on seeds and understanding the importance, the biodiversity, kind of all the terminology. Let's take the next hour probably and walk and talk through your seed catalog. The version that's online, we'll just go through it page by page and you can highlight some of the fabulous seeds that are available from Seeds Trust. And so basically the wonderful thing about having you with us today, Julia, is that you can give us a guided tour of some of your favorite things in your catalog. That is really awesome. Okay, so we're first going to start off on the very first page. There's a little introduction from Bill, and there's a gentleman holding a variety of carnival clown carrot mix. Is that one of your popular uh, carrot seeds? You know, it's not as popular as some of our others. My customers tend to like a more traditional carrot, but I think that these are fantastic, and I would suggest growing these carnival crowns for multiple reasons. The biggest reason is because they are gorgeous. They're really beautiful. Yeah, they are pretty. Um, They're big, like you get, you can see right there, like they're pretty sturdy. And there are somebody's heirloom, like we we were talking about glass gem in the earlier portion, um, part one of our talk. This is a variety of corn that has somebody's heart and soul into it and their life's work. Like when you can buy a seed like that, do it. In that the, is a in, the carrot, in this carrot, you mean, this carnival clown carrot? This carnival clown carrot, yeah, because, I mean, Thunderfoot is selecting for this like really light pink magenta color that you don't see in carrots. And the second year that the, the carrot plant flowers, you'll begin to see the colors and the flowers. Hmm. Um, it's just a real treasure, and it's so cool for me to be able to offer this um, from Seed Trust. Now, it looks like the harvest, the, the carrot part, it sometimes looks like about as wide as a potato. Is that the case? Yeah, but, well, they taper pretty severely, so they're really wide at the top and kind of bulby. And then they taper down... Um, they're not like, they don't start thin and get really long and thin. That is kind of a myth as far as carrots go. Um, because you need like really, um, you need soil that is soft all the way like two feet down. That's typically not what people are dealing with. So they're a little bit um, wider on the top. And then as the soil gets a little bit tougher, they taper down at the bottom. And they taper naturally as well. Yep. Just in their, you know, little characters. But... Yeah, so, and they're delicious. They're really delicious. Wow. So what page do you want to start on? Start with collections, page five. Okay. So I love all the collections that we offer at Seeds Trust. There are all kinds of things from baby vegetable collections for kids, hummingbird collections to attract hummingbirds. Um, Page five and six kind of showcase the collections that we offer. and. One of the most popular is our bucket of seeds. Hmm. So it's a little bit, it's a collection that is kind of, it's more detailed. There's a lot more seed packets in it, where the other ones are five to eight seed packets. Um, The buckets of seeds are typically about 32 to 37 packets. Okay. And um, I have three different kinds. One of them is a traditional seed trust bucket where you can plant anywhere kind of for moderate climates where you, you get reasonable amount of sun and moisture and you're not very high. Although, Seeds Trust 
tend to spend a lot of short seasons, so you could do it in a short season place. Um, and then we have a high altitude seed bucket with all really short season varieties, varieties that are that are going to do well in high altitude. And then we have a southwest bucket um, with kind of extreme hot and a long hot season. So we have really nice tailored bucket selections. They're kind of like a garden in a bucket, and they come with a seed saving booklet. So it tells you how to do it, and you can further adapt what you grow to your particular climate. Hmm. The next one that I'd like to talk about is our favorite tomatoes collection. Actually, the Soviet Union sampler. So that's on page six, and it's towards the bottom. Okay. And we've compiled our best Siberian tomato varieties and put them in a little packet and send them to you so you get kind of the best. Is this like a sampling of all those tomato seeds that Bill would have gotten on his trip over there then? The sampling of the ones that have done best for us. Yes, they're like our favorites. Okay. So you get Galena, which we have a picture of that like little yellow cherry, which tastes incredible. They're some of the best tasting tomatoes. And then we have Sasha's Altai that's in there. When we do a tomato collection, we want to put in as many different kinds of varieties as we can. So we'll do like a cherry, do a beef steak, a paste tomato, a salad tomato, all kinds of stuff. So there are five packets in that one, but it's just fun to get a, a sampling of what we have, especially as far as Siberian tomatoes go. All right, next. All right. So next, let's go to page eight for the bean section. Okay. My best-selling bean is the Provider Bush Bean. It's really early, so it's 50 days. So it's a really dependable, the name provider is spot on. Hmm. It's nice and compact, and it's, I love that it's so dependable. And then I have these little codes next to each variety. So you'll see at the bottom of this description here for Provider, H-A and S-W. So this says that these are particularly suited for high altitude and southwest. Okay. Not to say that you can't grow it if you're not in high altitude in Southwest. It means that in addition to it growing well, wherever, <laughs> you can also grow it in high altitude in Southwest. So it's kind of like a little code in case you're coming from those places. And so for people who aren't familiar with those growing conditions, you're talking about extreme weather temperatures and short yep. growing season, right? Are those the two main distinguishing characteristics? Yep, and a lot of time, high altitude and southwest kind of have the same thing as far as extreme. You can do short season in any place. Okay. But typically, they'll be adapted so that they are good with extreme temperatures. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to page nine, the beet section. I love the Detroit beet. It's early. It's 65 days. It's really deep purple, red, and it's a pretty old heirloom. It's from 1892. Wow. So anytime we can get in on anything like that, we want to. It's one of our best sellers. And it's suitable for high altitude and southwest. So it's for everyone. Okay. See, moving on here to page 11, carrots. I'm always going to say carnival clowns, but you may notice that it's actually not on this list, even though we feature it in the beginning. Yes. Show you in the beginning that you can get it because it's added after this catalog was made. Okay. But I want to draw your attention to one that I'm thinking of called Tinko. And Penn and I and Bill are all trying to bring it back. It's this incredible, like, forearm-length orange heirloom carrot. And we ran out and have had to kind of build up our supply again. Okay. So I just want people to know that it's going to be coming back. It's going to be on the website um, and on the price list. It might take a little while, but I want people to be on the lookout because it's worth the wait. It's delicious and sweet and crunchy. Oh, man, it's awesome. And so, it's ginormous, apparently, it, right? It's so huge. <laughs> it's so huge. Yeah, so we're working on it, and I just want people to know. Huh. And what's it called? It's called Kinko or Ginkgo? Kinko, K-I-N-K-O. Okay, just like the copy shop, right? Yep, exactly. Okay, so it's the Kinko carrot. And if they want it, they just send you an email like they would for the glass gem corn, right? Yeah. So I, I could start a um, waiting list as well for Kinko. 
um, like I have for Glass Gems. So if you're interested, go ahead and send me an email, and I'll try and keep everyone updated. I do periodic newsletters just trying to tell people what's going on, what to expect, and how our growing season is going. So, yeah. All right. What's next? Okay. So let's go to 13, which is our corn page. All right. So I want to highlight Candy Mountain, which is an open-pollinated, super-sweet variety. But I'm going to tell you also that it was actually... It comes from a hybrid, and a hybrid, for those of you who do not know, is a variety kind of seed that is from two different parents, so that when, when you get the offspring, the first filial, so F1 generation from two different parents, when you have that seed, it's called a hybrid. And when you plant it, if you save the seeds from what you planted and plant those, you are not going to get anything true to the parent. So you can plant a hybrid seed and it'll turn out that first generation just fine. But saving seeds from it is going to be pretty difficult if you want something that looks true to the parent because there's so much crazy genetics going on in there that you might get like white corn or something like that. An open pollinated version is something that is going to be consistent every time you plant it. You can save and plant and save and plant and you're going to get the same thing every time. Just a little heads up. So Candy Mountain is an open-pollinated version of the previous hybrid candy corn, and it's now been adapted to high altitude. It's grown at 7,000 feet from this incredible woman named Bertha May, who is a new seed success grower. Um, she's one of Penn's friends, hmm. and she just put so much love into her cornfields, and I am proud to offer Candy Mountain from her. Wow. Okay. So moving on to cucumbers, favorite is our lemon cucumber. It's so delicious. It's unique. It's kind of a novelty and then it's round. It's just fun to grow. It's yellow. It kind of even looks like a lemon. Pretty quick. It's 58 days. If I had seen this picture and somebody said, guess what it is, I would not have guessed that it's a cucumber because it does look like, it almost looks like a yellow apple to me. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It looks melony a little bit, but it's like the size of a tennis ball or a little bit bigger. Okay. And another great thing about it is it's rust and drought resistant. So it's got some really good resistant characteristics. So the lemon is named for the color and the shape, um, but not mm-hmm. necessarily for the taste, right? It's not a it's not a lemony well, flavor. Or right. It doesn't it? taste like a lemon. It doesn't okay. taste like a lemon. Although it does have it is a little bit tangy, I mean more than another cucumber would be. But it's a really refreshing taste. I mean, cucumbers in general are really refreshing. Yes. But this lemon one is my favorite. Also refreshing, but it has a really lovely taste. Okay. Okay, so page 14. I love both our arugula and French sorrel. So they are one after another. The arugula um, is deliciously spicy. Um and if you cut off just the top ear and put that in a salad, then the plant will keep growing. And arugula also tends to reseed. It has this particular relationship with mesquite trees. If you're in the southwest, if you plant it under a mesquite tree, it really likes that kind of acidic soil. Hmm. They're complementary growers, and it'll reseed, which is lovely. Wow. Um, and then the French sorrel. Oh, my gosh. It's just delicious. <laughs> it's like... Very lemony and fresh, kind of tart. Okay. Um, I like to put it in egg drop soup, actually. Uh-huh. Um, just like for a fresh, refreshing taste. It's also great to just walk by, grab a piece of it, and eat it. So those are my two favorite on that page, arugula and French sorrel. I'm imagining that French sorrel kind of chopped up. You could add it to like a rice dish, kind of like how Chipotle does their uh, rice. I bet it would be great in that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It just adds an extra dynamic for all kinds of different dishes. One of my favorite tales on page 15 is the dwarf blue curled. And one of the reasons why is because it looks so beautiful. It's got this like sea blue, sea green kind of color to it. It's just really pleasing to the eye. Not only is it nutritious and delicious, but it's just gorgeous. And I love to grow it because it adds this dynamic to my garden that just makes it look really great. Hmm. <laughs> That's my favorite kale. Awesome. 
Yep. And we'll stay on the same page and go down to the mescaline mix, which is really popular, one of our best sellers. Just a mix of all the different kinds of lettuces I have. And then you plant, you plant the seeds and all these different kinds come up. Um, and you can pick them early for a nice, sweet, tender salad. I really, really recommend the mescaline mix. Okay. Delicious. Moving on, let's go to down to the bottom of page 17, our onions. My favorite is this little purplette onion. Oh, it's cute as it can is, be. I know, and there's a little picture there, and they're just special. I love them. They are just really delicate and lovely and kind of mild. I tend to go for kind of the more novel stuff because I find it special, so I like the purple. Yeah, it's adorable. Yep. And then let's move to page 18 and talk about nasturtium because nasturtium is very special. Not only is it beautiful, does it make a garden look lovely, but you can eat them. You eat the blooms, those little flowers, and you can you put them in a salad and it kind of just has extra interest. Right? You eat a salad, has all these flowers on top of it. It's so cool. They actually go well planted with Wash and other things like they're a nice companion plant. They bring good insects to the garden, so they're a really great thing to plant in among some of your crops. Interesting. Let's move on to peppers, page twenty. We have a lot of really a handful of really lovely peppers, um, ranging from bell to Thai hot peppers. One that does really well for me is the early jalapeno. And I had kind of a tough year last year growing. And this early jalapeno flowered early and it grew early. And I had a lovely little harvest, whereas I was kind of having some problems with my other stuff. So it's really nice and hearty. And it's hot, wow. <laughs> really hot. But they're they're pretty small, little three-inch jalapenos. So they're some of my favorites. And then another one that I'm going to mention is Grandpa's Home Pepper. So it's a Siberian variety. It's down at the bottom. It's pretty prolific. It does a ton of tiny little peppers. Wow, and it says here that they're semi-hot. Yeah. They're hardy. You have to be careful. Don't like touch your eyes or anything. You have to be with all of these. But when I am drying out and harvesting the grandpa's home pepper, I need to use gloves and glasses and stuff like that because that dust when it gets into your eyes, man, that's hot. Really? So if you like hot. Even though it says semi-hot, in my opinion, it's hot. If you want really hot, do the Thai hot peppers. Wow. Holy cow. So Bill found these on a trip to Bangkok and was just really impressed and brought back the seed, and we've been growing it since. So, mm-hmm. so let's move to page 21 um, and talk about spinach. One of our best sellers of all time of anything is the Bloomsdale Longstanding. It's super early. They're kind of crinkled leaves, and they're just sweet and lovely and tend to do really well, particularly in high altitude. So I really love those. Moving on to squash. I love these guys. You kind of can't go wrong in any of them. But my absolute favorite is the yellow crookneck because I like to pick them as babies. and you don't have to cook them or anything. You just eat it. It's just so, like, refreshing and tender and sweet. So I would really recommend getting yellow cooked and then picking them early. Like and right you just eat it raw. Cooking. Yeah, I just figure it right off the vine and eat it. And then for any of these squash varieties, you can also eat the squash blossoms. Sometimes you see those in restaurants where they have stuffed squash blossoms. Oh, that's right. Um, they're just... Yeah, a nice little treat, and they get really big, so those are fun to do. That would be a fun project this summer with the kids. Mm-hmm. And then on page 23, we have chard. Um, one of my favorites yes. is the rainbow mix, just because you get lots of cool colors, and it's just so fun beautiful. to have a colorful garden. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, we're moving into the tomato section. Seeds Trust just has a really strong tomato selection, and we are really picky about our tomatoes. We try to offer as many as we can, and they're just our specialties. So our tomato section is really lovely. Just a heads up, 
we offer more tomato varieties than are actually in this catalog. Okay. So as I said, this catalog is a little old. There are a lot of reasons for that. Typically, it is right on track, but we've added a few things here and there. So if you go online and browse and look for stuff, you're going to find a lot more than what is here. So that's just a heads up. Do you want but, to kind um, of point out maybe some of the online varieties as we go through this section and then just make a note and then people can know to go over online to look for them? Definitely. Okay. I will do that. All right. Awesome. So if you t- turn to page 24, okay. Galena, it is that yellow cherry tomato. These guys are the best. They're so prolific. Wow. They produce so much and they continue to do it. So they're an indeterminate. So there's a difference in tomatoes. You have an indeterminate tomato and a determinate tomato. Oh, educate us. Yeah. Okay. So an indeterminate tomato tends to put its energy in making leaves and shoots and plants, the plant parts, the green parts. So it flowers kind of all at different times. That means its fruits come on um, at different times and they tend to continuously come on. Whereas determinate put all of their, most of their energy into setting fruit. So it's going to be typically more compact. And then once the plant has reached its size, it starts to flower, they all come on, all these fruits will come on around the same time. So an indeterminate, the Selena, it's just going to keep producing and keep producing and keep producing and you'll go out there and you will have one day of you know, a ton of tomatoes and then you'll see green ones and you'll come back the next day or the next week and they'll just kind of keep producing. Whereas, say, below at the Golden Nugget, that little guy is going to be working its whole time to give you all of the fruit at the end of its time. So you'll pick them typically all at once or around the same time. And I see the Galenas Um, were chosen as one of the 10 best early tomatoes in Organic Gardening Magazine. They are definitely one of our prides. They're so good. They're so refreshing. They have this yummy, tangy, yet sweet taste you just can't get enough of. They're my favorite tomato of all time. So get some greenness. And then we just brought back Northern White. And the particular variety that we're bringing back is super early. So it's a really early tomato. We're in the early section right here. And this one's been adapted to high altitude. So it'll do well. At any, as an early tomato anywhere, but it will particularly thrive if you're a high mountain gardener in those high altitudes. And that's on the bottom of page 24 for folks who are following exactly. along. Okay, awesome. Yep. And you can see here it's from Montana. It's a beefsteak, it's an heirloom, and it's really dependable. It's delicious. It's just everything lovely about a tomato. And I really love those. Another thing that I'm going to mention while we're on 24 is prairie fire. Okay. For me, that has been a really strong producer, just like really prolific. So I would also really suggest prairie fire. They're nice little manageable size, so three to four ounces, a really beautiful red color, and they are a determinant and do well at high altitude and in the Southwest. So they're for everyone. And then you have to move all the way over to page 33 to continue the tomatoes. I have to include Aurora here before we move on. There's so many awesome tomatoes that you stressed, but still in the early category is Aurora. That is just a really dependable, awesome tomato. There are two more early varieties continued from page 24 to 33. So at the top of page 33, we have Odessa and Aurora. And it's one of our yummiest as well. I'm going to move on to page 34 to large tomatoes. And okay. I want to direct everybody to and just give you a heads up that there's Mother Russia. That, right? is not on here. Okay. Mother Russia is a huge tomato. It has this taste. So... Russian tomatoes, and particularly our Siberians and the Russian varieties, just like Russian music, they have this very Russian um, quality to them. So they have this taste that is called the Russian taste. And the Mother Russia tomato is huge. It is a brilliant red. It's gorgeous 
cut open, like glistening and deep colored and has this amazing taste. So that one is not here in the catalog. So check it out online. For the ones that are here um, in the large category, I love the Moscow. The Moscow is so deliciously dense and sweet and juicy. It's a great canner. And we have, I'm going to be featuring the high, high version. All that means is I have two different varieties. So the Moscow traditional is quick. It's 62 days. It's great for high altitude. It's great for Southwest. But I also have a version of Moscow that has been growing and been growing amazingly at 8,000 feet for people who are really high and need tomatoes that are going to grow for them. So I'm going to recommend this for everybody as well as high mountain growers. Let's move on and go to 36, our tomatillo. Okay. So this does fine in high altitude, particularly does well in southwest. These are such a cool plant. Like, they have this really cool lantern-y, puffy outer skin. And when they grow on the vines, they're kind of tomato-y, but longer and taller and a little skinnier. And they look like little lanterns growing on the vine. They're really cool. You save the seeds just like you would a tomato. They are so delicious and salsa. Absolutely. I really love our tomatillas, the Grand Rio Verde version. So wow. check those out. They're a little longer, so those are 80 days. So just a little heads up. Okay. From here, we move on to wildflowers and grass. So Seeds Trust offers a ton of vegetable varieties. But we also have herbs, wildflowers, and grasses. We do a lot of different stuff. And if you're looking for anything in particular, just give us a call. If you can't find it, um, we can help you look for it. Okay. So one of my favorite portions of Seed Stress is the wildflower collection that we have. A lot of it is wildcrafted by Bill and his father, Wes, and from Pen and Cord and one of the reasons why it's my favorite is I'm now learning to wildcraft these seeds and find places in the Mountain West where some varieties grow, identify them, and then harvest them, which is hard for me and so fun because I love to hike and and learning more and more about the wildflowers, where they grow, how to identify them. But for me, it's just been really, really cool and one of my favorite aspects of what I do. Wow. But Arnica, Arnica is one of our best sellers because when Bill started this in Idaho, he was able to harvest where he was. I'm able to harvest it here in Colorado. They're really gorgeous and sunny, but they're also medicinal. Yeah. So there's a lot of really medicinal, great medicinal properties to Arnica. I'm going to recommend this for sure. I've been using an Arnica oil. I've got a knee that that I get a lot of pain with, and I've been using an Arnica oil on it um, that a friend gave me. And I love the fragrance. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's so awesome. So go for it. Use it on store places, all kinds of stuff. The next ones that I'd like to highlight are Colorado Columbine. So we have the Sitka Columbine, which we have a picture of. The Sitka is that red and yellow it looks like it's diving down. Yeah. Um, really, really gorgeous. So a lot of these are native. You got to pick the ones that are going to do well for you. Like this one will be great in Colorado, as well as obviously Colorado Columbine. And don't um, forget the blooms are edible, right? Absolutely, that's right. And they attract all kinds of great wildlife. They attract hummingbirds, all kinds of different pollinators, which we always need more of. So. Yeah, they're really awesome. And then down the page, we have echinacea, which is also a medicinal. Yes. And a really beautiful bloom as well. Elephant's head is my favorite wildflower. They are just the detail on these little blossoms is gorgeous. And they totally look like little elephants. And their color, when surrounded by like deep green, where you typically find them, they may be on the edge of a lake or a stream, mm. are so gorgeous. Um, elephant's head. Scarlet Gilia, page 39. I was just looking at that. I'm so glad you're talking about it. So these are awesome. They're beautiful. 
They're drought tolerant. They're easy to grow. They also attract hummingbirds and bees. They're a really great attractor of wildlife and pollinators. I love these guys. They have little trumpets. They're adorable. I'm going to talk about Indian blankets at the bottom. They're another one of my favorite just because they are so bright and sunny and bold. And they're drought tolerant. So for those of us who have problems with water, those are a good go-to. Page 40, Indian paintbrush. So we have native varieties um, here in Colorado, and they're all around the Rockies and high-altitude regions and other places, the basin area, um, the Great Basin. They are really special and gorgeous. They're one of my favorite flowers. They have a really long history in Native American culture. They have a nice spiritual connection and meaning. And we've had kind of a shortage of them because they haven't, like with the wildfires and all kinds of crazy stuff climate-wise going on here, people who are going out and wildcrafting have not been able to find as much as usual. So we're going to have a better year this year, and last year was fine, but the year before was bad, so there's a little bit of a shortage. Man, are those gorgeous. One of my other favorites, I have so many favorites, but mountain moving kind. First of all, the seeds are really special. They have all these really beautiful earth tones. They're like these little earthy pebbles. Sometimes you get pastel colors in there. They're one of my favorite seeds. So the seeds are special. And they just have some of the most gorgeous blooms. Typically in the foothills region places, they're white, yellow, blue, and purple. Let's see. Let's move on to page 41. We have a large penstemon collection. Probably one of our best sellers is the firecracker penstemon, which you can see at the top of the page is just really bright and so fun to go on hike and be able to recognize them and see them, put them in your yard, your field, whatever. Yep, they're very pretty and hardy. They are hardy. They're another attractor of hummingbirds and butterflies. They're easy. They're just really great go-tos. So if you turn to page 47... We can talk about wildflower mixes. So we offer quite a few mixes of wildflowers. And the very first one we start off with, with is a custom mix. And that's great. People really love this because you talk to us about where you are, what your light is like, which direction the land is facing, the kind of conditions of the soil, colors that you like. Like I had a woman who last year ordered a custom wildflower mix and she only wanted blue and white. So we can customize it like that. Pretty fun. And then we have drought tolerant, which is really useful for those of us growing in high altitudes and drier regions. We also have Heart of Idaho, which was one of our best sellers because it's just so rich and beautiful. It really looks like a mountain wildflower meadow. And the great thing about this, too, is you can grow it kind of wherever you are. It's really beautiful. Absolutely. Yep. It's got about every color of the rainbow. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And all different heights looks like. And mm-hmm. yeah, I can see why this one's very popular. Um, and then on page 48, they continue. So we have quite a few varieties trying to cater to wherever you are. And then we have some tips for um, wildfire mixes and how to be successful, which I love about this catalog. It kind of gives you some help. Um, And if you turn to page 50, we have our herbs. We have some lovely basil, borage, which is really cool. It's a really old variety. And I love it because it's it's got this lineage that goes way back. It's got an unfortunate name, you know, because I think the sound of it, you're like, borage. It doesn't sound, you know. I know, doesn't it? But it's a beautiful, beautiful plant. And I mean, anytime I have it grow, well, usually you only need to have one because they they spread so, so, you know, prolifically. But uh, the color Mm -hmm. of the flower is that periwinkle. I mean, it's just an an unbelievable blue. Um, If you've never grown it. You can eat it. I think it's tea, right? You can do tea with it or... I don't yep. know. There's all kinds yep. of things people do with it. I want to get some for my garden this year. I had it a couple of years ago, and then for whatever reason, it didn't come back. And as you were mentioning, there's a lot of uses for it. Some people use it in tinctures. You can use it if you're making your own shampoo. It's like a nice herbal additive. Yeah, if you're making your own stuff. 
so fun to kind of get into that. And I love the herb section because there's so many different uses for all of these things. The medicinal portion of them really intrigues me as well. Absolutely. Um, herbs are really powerful because they're so close to their wild nature. They haven't been as domesticated as a lot of our other produce has, a lot of our other vegetables. So they're packed with that much more um, nutrition and potency as far as medicinal properties go and the nutrition. When you're eating close to wild, it's the best you can do. I love lemon balm, the Melissa officinalis, um, midway down the page. Oh, man, it's just one of those refreshing leaves that you can make into a tea. They're really hearty, easy to grow. You walk by and just smell it, and it's, oh, man, like just an effusion of lightness into your day. Melissa officinalis, and it's a lemon balm, you said. Okay, all right, awesome. Lemon balm, yes. Moving on to page 51, some of these, like Arnica and Sautis Mountain Mint, are already in our wild flower section, but we bring them back in for herbs. Okay. Medicinal portion. Yes. Valerian, say, at the bottom is such an interesting plant. The blossom does not smell very good. It smells a little bit like feet, <laughs> but it's really powerful as far as pain relieving and um, helping you to sleep so you can make a valerian tea. Yep. So, and then we have this repellent section where if you plant these guys in your garden, they help keep out all kinds of pests, like voles, rodents, bad kinds of bugs. So they act kind of like a barrier. They have, it tends to be that their roots don't taste very good or any of their leaves and stuff. So it's off-putting to bugs and stuff. So, Mm. I really love that. We have an insect repellent collection at the beginning of the catalog. We were talking about collections. And insect repellent is one of them. So you don't have to use insecticides or anything like that. You can do it naturally. There are ways to craft your garden so that you have a beautiful garden and you can keep it organic and make sure that you're fostering all the great bugs and keeping the bad ones away. And then if you turn the page, we have our glasses. And they're sectioned off according to color, so blonde, red, and blue, landscaping sods, and then bunches, so kind of ornamental kinds of stuff. And then we move on to reclamation. If you've got some land that has been you've been doing construction on or anything like that, you need to reclaim the land, grow it back up, make sure that erosion becomes under control. We have all these reclamation grasses. On 52, yeah. the Indian rice grass. I think it, the picture looks amazing. It looks pretty. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a really big fan of blue fescue just because it's so blue and beautiful. Is it temperamental? Or maybe in your area, it's not as temperamental. Up here, we can have some uh, trouble growing fescues. It I'm, does like drier soil. It's it typically a drought-tolerant plant, so it will do better in drier soil. So I could definitely see how it would be a little fickle. One of the things that I'm learning about the most is, or let me rephrase that. The thing that I need to learn most about is my grasses. It's a very particular time of year when people order grass. And it's really fascinating. There is so much to know about grass. Like people specialize in grasses alone. There's a lot to know. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to learn more about. Those parents been involved in the seed business for a really long time. And his dad, Wes, is an incredible source for what grasses to grow. He's kind of my lifeline. If I'm ever in the conundrum about what to recommend, Hmm. I call him and we create, like, the perfect recommendation. We've got a lot of really great sources at Seedster. And I see also on page 59, which is at the very end of the catalog, there's that basic seed-saving book that you alluded to earlier. It says here concise, non-technical explanations for saving seeds of 18 popular vegetables and 29 native wildflowers. It's 48 pages. That looks to be a really nice little compact resource for folks who are interested in starting or learning how to start saving seeds. So, Yep, it's a really wonderful resource. It's totally manageable, and it's split up into easy, intermediate, and difficult. Oh. So. As yeah, it's it's organized really well, so you can start out 
really basic, um, and then move on from there. So it's one of my favorite little things that we offer at Seeds Trust, obviously, because I'm kind of all about the message and the activist part of it. And if you get a bucket, like I mentioned earlier, it's included in the bucket. That's great. So it is in the bucket. So if you got that mix, then you would get the seed the seed book with it. Right. So Seed Trust offers a bucket and a can. Can is a little smaller. It's a 16 varieties, 16 packets. Okay. And that is just the can. If you get the bucket, it's 32 to 37 packets, depending on which which one you get. Seeds Trust, High Altitude, or Southwest. And those all come with a seed saving booklet. Okay. So I just want to make sure that if there's anything else online that was not in the catalog that you think would be worthy for uh, listeners to know about, I want to make sure you get a chance to talk about those things. Yes, there is. The main thing that I want to talk about is this new line of tomatoes that I'm offering. Okay. Um, And it's, it's going to expand from tomatoes to all other kinds of stuff, but it's called my high, high line. And it is varieties of tomatoes that are grown at 8,000 feet. So they are super tailored to people in the mountains who have a hard time growing. We need to provide all of you mountain growers with as many resources as possible. So we're working on adapting some of our best tomatoes to high altitude. And we've got about 12 varieties at the moment. And if you go online, I have a newsletter that describes them all and lists them all under my archives. Yeah. Um, it's called the High High Tomato Line, so you can search it there. Okay. And I also have a blurb on the main page about the High High varieties that I'm offering. So they're there already. You can check them out. They're on the front page. All right. So um, before we go, let's close by having you share some of the things that you've got planned for 2014. Um, well, I do have a couple. The first one that I'm working on is tied into what I was just talking about is developing this high, high line. Cause we have a really awesome opportunity where I am. I'm in Denver, Colorado, and some of my best growers are in Westcliff at 8,000 feet. So we're really uniquely positioned to be doing work um, with that particular altitude. So that is a line that I'm trying to develop and get some really good stock as far as seeds go. And then I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm trying to get a little bit more um, connected to people. There's a lot to do running a seed business by yourself. And sometimes I just tuck into my work and just get the orders out the door. But what I'm really trying to do and get better at is like Facebook, having a dialogue with people and having email conversations and just staying really connected. So that's one of my goals. And the thing that I, one thing I'd like to do is do a seed of the month club. So I'm trying to figure out how to develop that and offer it. I'd like to just new, do new fun things with seeds and like stay novel and energized and, you know, dialogue with people and get feedback and suggestions. I love that. If there's something that you want, let's talk about it. Yeah. So those are the kind of things I'm working on. Well, and I think that's something that kind of came through as you were walking me through the catalog, and it and it struck me as you were talking about the wildflower mix. If people just reach out to you, since you're a one-person shop, kind of an owner-operator situation there, if they say to you, hey, I'm looking for this, and can you put something together for me, it's, that's something that's not out of the realm of possibility there. It's in the realm of possibility, and especially if people are trying to create a custom mix. Like, I put my attention there. It's definitely hard to juggle everything. Sometimes I'm not, like, if you email me one day, I'm not going to be, like, five minutes later, have an answer for you because there's so much going on. Mm -hmm. So if you give me some time, and if you need it soon, contact me ahead of time. Like, if you know you need something for the spring, let's talk as soon as possible. Let's get this on the road. Spring's coming up. People are going to be ordering. And they're going to want all their stuff, you know, at the same time. So if you can plan ahead as far as you can, then the better it will be for all of us. So uh, Mm -hmm. before we go, let's go through all the ways that folks can get a hold of you. And we'll make sure they're in the show notes as well. But the website for Seeds Trust is? It is www.seedstrust.com. Just that easy. straightforward. 
And if they want a copy of the catalog that you and I just walked through, they can look at it online. It's in a PDF. They can download mm-hmm. it at their home. I just was looking yep. at it on my iPad here. It's It was 66 pages, right? Yes. I think mm-hmm. looking at it online is not that bad. Let's walk them through the order process. They can just send you an email, but do you, how would they use like the form or is there an online process? What does that look like for yes. folks? There's several different ways to order. Um, first of all, I would like to mention that I also have a price list that I mail out since I am out of catalogs. And so we have this PDF version and you can download it, as you just mentioned, on the website. We also, for those of you who, there are a lot of few people out there who don't have access to a computer, you can order a price list and an order form. So I can send you the price list as well as an order form, and you can just send it back to me via snail mail. I'm best on the phone. If you can give me um, a call um, versus an email, that's going to work out better. Okay. Um, So let me give you both of the options for emailing me and calling me. Okay. So my phone number is 720-335-3436. And emails go to support3, which is just the number three, at seedstrust.com. And I will take orders over the phone. I will take them via mail if you want to mail them in. Um, email, you feel free to email me an order. If you do email me an order, follow it up with a phone call. I get a lot of emails, and I want to make sure I get you. So the, the way most people do an order is they go online. And there's a shopping cart there. You can complete the entire process online. And everything that we offer is online. So you can just look it up and order it there. Okay. And your social media, you have a website or you have a Facebook page? Yep, we've got a Facebook page. You can get there by Googling Seeds Trust Facebook. But the actual URL is... um, www.facebook.com and then probably backslash Seeds Trust is my guess. Yep, that's it. That's it. Okay. Okay, so just a reminder... In the show notes for today, we're going to have all the pictures. We're going to try to get as many pictures from the catalog and the website so that you can just take a look at everything. And then we'll provide a link over to the Seeds Trust website where you can look firsthand at the catalog and browse through and look at the things that are not featured in the catalog, but that are totally available online. That's also where you'll find all of Julia's contact information and products. And the other thing that we'll do is we'll make sure that we give links to the show, to this podcast. So if you want to feature that on your website as well, Julia, you'll be able to do that. Kind of a nice way for folks to get a walkthrough of the catalog without you having to do it over and over and over again. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I really want to thank you, Julia, for being on the show today for that powerful overview of seeds that you gave us in last week's episode. And then this week, so generously giving your time to walk us through the very fabulous selection that you offer in the Seeds Trust catalog. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, don't forget that we can all join in the work of Seeds Trust, which is saving seeds from our own gardens to be passed down to future generations. And that is really a worthy goal for every gardener this year in our 2014 gardens to try to save some seeds and help preserve the diversity of seeds that risk disappearing in a world that is turning toward commercial agriculture. Such a great goal and so manageable for folks if they just allow some of their garden to bolt to go to seed and then preserve it. And a fun little task, a fun little extra thing to do with the kids this summer. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. All right. Thanks, Julia. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Well, that's it for our show today. I want to thank Julia for being such a great guest for both of these episodes. It was really wonderful to spend so much quality time with her and get such an in-depth peek inside the world of Seeds Trust. Next week, I'll be talking to Sarah Griffin Bubakar. She's been on the show before from Peaceful Valley Farm and Garden Supply, and she will be walking us through their seed catalog, another great catalog to check out between now and when you listen next week. 
Once again, thank you for listening today. You can find this podcast on iTunes as well as Stitcher and the BlackBerry podcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast on my blog at sixfootmama.com. That's the number six, F-T-M-A-M-A.com. And you can find this episode in the top menu under the Still Growing Podcast. You can always find me at sixfootmama.com or on facebook.com backslash stillgrowingwithsixfootmama. You can also email me directly at jennifer at at sixfootmama.com. Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling is a sixfootmama.com production made in lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota. Still Growing is an hour-long weekly gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow. Okay, Emma found some seed poetry in honor of Julia Coffey's Seeds. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so in honor of this episode of Julia Coffey walking us through the Seeds Trust Catalog, Emma found some seed poetry that she's going to read, and then you found a few pieces for your brothers to read as well, right? Yep. Okay. Whenever you're ready. This one's called what? Planting by Dick Wilms. I took a little seed one day about a month ago. I put it in a pot of dirt in hopes that it would grow. I poured a little water to make the soil right. I set the pot upon the sill, where the sun would give it light. I checked the pot most every day, and turned it once or twice. With a little care and water, I helped it grow so nice. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right, now which one is for the others? This is for John, and that's for PJ. Okay. So PJ is going to read this little poem that's called Seeds by Anonymous. A little seed for me to sow. We're not going to sing it, okay? (laughs) Come on. A little seed for me to sow. A little earth to make it grow. A little hole, a little plot, a little wish. And that is that. A little sun, a little shower. A little while, and then a flower. Peace out. Okay, John is going to read this little poem about seeds. It's called I'm a Little Plant. It's called I'm a Little Plant. Okay, John. I'm a little seed, brown and fat. You got to get it right next to the microphone, okay? Oh, okay. I'm a little seed, brown and fat. I haven't got got a front, and I haven't got a back. Plant me in the earth, give me water each day. I'll grow to be an apple tree while you play. Thank you, John. Okay, Will's going to read some quotes about seeds. Hi, everyone. I guess I get to say poems about seeds. Quotes. Quotes from seeds. The first one is Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. And that was by Robert Louis Stevenson. And the next one? The second one is Cry, forgive, learn, move on. Let your tears water the seeds of your future happiness. That was by Steve Maraboli. Maraboli. By Steve Maraboli. Funny stuff. Okay, here you go. Last one, Will. The last one is giving advice to the ignorant is like sowing the seeds in the desert. That one is by Vicrant Parse. Parse. Giving advice to the ignorant is like sowing the seeds in the desert. By Vicrant Parse. And that was me. Giving you a poem about seeds. Quotes. Okay, so in honor of the Gophers winning the NIT, the kids are going to sing the Gopher Rouser. Minnesota has a good tea. colors should be. We will shall be. Women strong, united are we. How you ma ra 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 ra
Minnesota hats off to thee. To thy colors too we shall be. Firm and strong united are we. Rah, 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 first guy you mom. Rah, rah, rah. Alright guys, thank you. Bye bye. Still small.